Welcome everyone to another episode of the Let's Talk Surgery Faculty of Surgical Trainers podcast series. I am your host, Gregory Carter. As always, I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Ceci. How are you? I'm all right, Greg. How are you? Very well, thanks. This is another episode of our FSD series looking at particular focus around trainers with these series. And today I'm pleased that we have got with us Chris Caddy, consultant plastic surgeon. Chris, how are you? Very well, thanks. How are you? Can I complain? Very well, thanks. Thank you for joining us. You may or may not have listened to previous episodes of these series, but we tend to start with uh, getting to know you a little bit better. So as an open question to start with, who is Chris Caddy? Uh, well, I'm a retired <laughs> consultant plastic surgeon who currently lives in Sheffield. Um, I had a fairly international training, so I travelled the globe, but then came back to uh, Sheffield to uh, put down my taproot. Uh, I've got four kids. Um, I um, have quite an, an outdoor lifestyle. I enjoy running, um, skiing, mountain climbing and scuba diving. So um, there's lots there. Very nice. So you must be enjoying retirement then? Well, very much. I mean, I'm busy, busier than ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they always say that. Great. Well, thank you very much for joining us. So we will run through the questions from a focus on trainers' point of view. First question, we'll keep it fairly easy to start with. So you've obviously had a well-traveled uh, training experience. So of that time, who would you say has been your best trainer and why? Wow. Um, so I've learned from everyone during my training and beyond. So to me, every day is a school day. But if I was to single out an individual, uh, it'd have to be William B. Kleinman from Indianapolis, Indiana. So he's the head of the Hand Fellowship Program at the Indiana Hand Center. And... Uh, He's trained over 245 hand surgeons during his career. And I was the second overseas fellow and the first plastic surgeon allowed into their orthopedic facility. So he's left a legacy in the way that he prepared each of us for our futures. I was truly standing on the shoulders of giants. Every day he was treated as our final evaluation. Every case was discussed during the operation or procedure exploring the anatomy, the pathomechanics, surgical approach, and rehabilitation. It required a very agile mind to keep up with them. And then every Saturday morning, he held a slideshow in his basement where he played with his fellows. So he was testing us uh, and making us really work to find out what we knew, what we didn't know. Uh, and we learned from, from not knowing as much as from knowing. So it was all about a legacy, and I feel I'm part of that North American legacy of hand surgery. Whilst you practice, did you carry over your Saturday morning grilling of your trainees? Uh, <coughs> no. <laughs> That's outside of uh, WTF. Um, work, working time um, rules. Yeah. So when I became a senior registrar, I set up regular training, and so we used to start... Um, with a tutorial at seven o'clock every morning and then along came working time and that put a stop to that. Yeah. So training now has to be done in time um, and, and not pushing people outside of, of normal working hours. So I try and use every opportunity to do the teaching and training rather than outside of it. 
Excellent. Uh, thank you for that. So question number two then, what is it that you enjoy about training? Yeah, well, what do you mean by the word training? Are you inquiring about teaching, education, learning, or a conglomeration of all these issues? It's a constellation of all. Uh, right. Well, I just get a real buzz out of training, a, a real sort of serotonin surge. It's, I enjoy watching people or my students growing and developing as a person and as a professional. I enjoy watching people... Um, some are quicker than others, but everyone discovers something about themselves and flourishes as a result. Process, it's a bit like being a parent, watching their kids grow up, learning from their mistakes and ultimately flourishing. And, and I've just really enjoyed watching people's careers. So I get such a return on investment there. That's great. You can actually hear the enthusiasm and passion that you know, they exude from you when you talk about all that you enjoy in training and watching the future generation come through. So that's, that's good to hear from a trainer. If you would permit me to ask about one of my favorite topics, which is music. Um, I know every surgeon is different about their attitude to music and theater, and we'd be interested to find out if you played music in theater, what would you play? Wow. Uh, well, I do, I do play music in theatre. Um, I have a very eclectic taste in music. Uh, as I explained at the outset, my training journey has taken me around the world. So there's a bit of South African music there, a bit of Australian influence. Uh, I was brought up during the golden age of music through the 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s. So um, I have a very eclectic mixture. But as a result of my knots training, I'm quite sensitive as to when and when not to play music. So I know when to practice the sterile cockpit and when to enjoy music. But it's always on there in the background, unless we're getting a bit tense. I'm pretty similar myself. I do find that for some operations, certain things are almost called for, like a bit of queen when you're doing hardcore surgery because <laughs> you feel like a boss. Yeah. So. Um, on to the next question. Um, if you were stranded on a desert island and you could only take one surgical or profession-specific tool with you, what would it be and why? Oh, wow. That's an interesting question. Um, so a bad workman blames his tools. Um, and I take full responsibility for my actions and I would never be provided with a shoddy tool or allow a good tool to fall into a state of repair in the first place. So I would probably ask for a, a Nevert needle holder uh, because I just love the way it falls into my hand and the way that I use it. So you can tell a lot about a surgeon by the way that he uses his, uh, his needle holder. So it's all about lightness of touch, which is the hallmark of a good surgeon. So I don't grasp it in my hand, I caress the instrument. And um, so I think uh, <laughs> a needle holder is, uh, is probably my favourite instrument. I think a lot of our listeners will be able to um, really, really identify with that comment because there's nothing more irritating than having substandard tools and a good needle holder, especially for a pediatric surgery trainee like me, is a thing of beauty because it just makes the work so much easier and so much more enjoyable. What do you think, Greg? As a colorectal surgeon, I, I completely, <laughs> completely agree. I think, Chris, I, I will turn up to work 
the next time I'm in and just think about caressing the needle holder next time rather than grasping it. That has been by far it. <laughs> one of the things is what you do with your thumb. So a needle holder has the, uh, the whole offset. So it just lightly touches it rather than shoving your, your thumb through it. So it's a way of ensuring that you have lightness of touch in your surgery. Noted, and I will take that Noted. forward. Thanks, Chris. Good. <laughs> Next up, what one book, medical or otherwise, have you enjoyed the most? Uh, right. So from a medical point of view, it will probably be the, angio, the angiosome concept and tissue transfer by Ian Taylor, because he was the person that lured me out to Australia and his uh, life has just been amazing. He, he failed the uh, first part in, uh, in surgery. And so he had to go back to the dissecting room and relearn his anatomy. And he's then taken that beyond everybody's dreams in his exploration of the angiosome concept. And that fired a passion in me for learning about anatomy. Um, and I've taken that with me for, for the rest of my, uh, my career. So Ian Taylor and your own concept. And would you say that's a must read for any budding plastic surgeon? Um, well, it'll give you something to, to build your practice on. There's lots of, of um, so his, his practice started out on finding solutions for clinical problems. And uh, he performed the first free tissue transfer. And that was because of a problem on the ankle, exposed ankle joint. Um, and so every time he comes up with a problem, he goes back to the, the back to basics and finds a solution for it. So it was more about treating um, me as an individual and looking at the way that I would tackle problems in the future. Excellent. So it, it's sort of breaking it down. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Next question, and uh, you know, set to a number of other guests on, and I'm collating all the advice that comes with this because I think it's very pertinent to me. How do you keep a work-life balance both now, but primarily whilst you are pre-retirement? Yeah. Well, how long have you got? <laughs> what all is work-life balance? Um, how do you create harmony and well-being in your life? I'm turning the questions on you because <laughs> it's. Um, it, it is a common question, and I can't say that I've always had the best of work-life balance because life has been very much work, work, work. Um, but I now have great sleep hygiene. I work with a personal trainer called Alan, and I run three to four times a week. Um, beyond COVID times, as I said at the beginning, I'm a scuba diver, which has just been a real passion for me over my life. So my wife and I, we both learnt when we were in Australia, but I took to a bit like a duck to water. And I've logged over a thousand dives, trained in trimix and cave diving. And I found that I can practice non-technical skills whilst doing mindfulness. It's just an ultimate Zen practice. Um, but I also enjoy mountain climbing, skiing, sailing. So I'm, you know, pretty well-rounded. And did you have time for all of these extracurricular activities whilst being in the hard grind of plastic surgery? Um, well, I've always kept the scuba diving up. Um, so always made time to go away every year to enjoy that. Um, 
but as I said, during my practice, I have you know worked seven days a week. Uh, my private practice was carried out on Saturdays and Sundays. So I operated on a Saturday and had to do a, a ward round on a Sunday morning. So it's been pretty full on for a, for a long time. It's really impressive that despite such a heavy workload and an accomplished career, you still manage to keep your passions. And I think that's very important for us trainees to hold on to some part of our non-medical lives because um, a lot of what we do now and a lot of our teaching is on, as you said, mindfulness and non-technical skills. And these are skills that you can really bring to the operating theatre. And it also helps prevent burnout, doesn't it? Um, it sure does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, in your career, I'm sure you must have received a lot of advice and given a lot of advice. But if you were to pick one pearl of wisdom to give to a trainee today, what would it be? Mm, you've been very specific in the way you framed that question, pearl of wisdom. Um, I've, I've learned so much and I've got so much to pass on. But recently I, I found that um, it's exceedingly difficult to stop giving people advice. After all, that's what I've been trained to do. Yep. But after training as a coach, I've realised that people learn far more from coming up with solutions to their problems by themselves. And I now use coaching skills in almost everything that I do. So I think it's branch out and learn to be a coach in the way that you teach. So you've got the answers inside you. You just don't know that. We just have to lead it out from you. That's that's amazing. I think that's the best pearl we've gotten so far. So my advice to you is stop giving advice. That's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Just out of interest, how did you get into coaching and how have you found that journey? Um, so I'm part of Yorkshire and Humber uh, Deanery and they really invest in their trainers and so one of the things that they did was to offer a course in in coaching and it led towards uh, an ILM certificate in coaching and mentoring and I think it was the the push to do it as a certificate rather than just going on a two or three day course So you really had to reflect on everything that you were doing. And it was that reflection that made me into who I am. It's about making you stop and think, you know, what am I doing and how am I going to get the most out of my trainees? And I do that through coaching. So I've come to it fairly late in life, but uh, I've got that pearl to give to the next generation. Don't wait until the end of your career before you branch out into coaching. So Chris, I'm going to put you on the spot. If I yeah. walk into your coaching office and I sat down as a final year colorectal registrar who was having a bit of a, I wouldn't say midlife, but end of training crisis as to what to do next uh, with myself. Do I A, go on a fellowship, B, carry on and get to become a consultant or C, go do plastic surgery instead? What would you say? Well, if it's a question of either or, the answer is do both. <laughs> so, so you can go off and do your, uh, your fellowship. Perhaps you could do it in, uh, in plastic surgery. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> but no, it's, just, it's a question of maximizing your opportunities and taking uh, the, the best from every situation you find yourself in. Excellent. Look, thank you very much, Chris. I think 
we haven't worked with you personally, but listening to some of your, your comments, your answers, and some of your reflections, I think any trainee or, or surgeon who's come through your ranks has been lucky uh, to have your, your tutelage and your coaching. Um, and we are grateful for your time today. So thank you very much. My pleasure. Well, we hope we can have you again on the podcast for a slightly longer episode, just to explore more about your career journey and all the wonderful advice you can give to us. That's not there advice. There are lots of nuggets to unpick there, Chris. So anytime you're free in the new year, we'll welcome you onto the podcast again. My pleasure. Okay. Thank Thanks you. Greetings. Right. Thank you, guys. And until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. Bye, guys. Bye.